Hello, and welcome to Physician Spotlights. I am your host, Dr. Jay Patel. Physician Spotlights is a forum to learn more about our outstanding physicians in the field of nutrition and discuss important topics and ideas. With the help of Aspen, we are bringing these videos to you. Our guest today is Dr. Paul Wishmeyer. Dr. Wishmeyer doesn't really need an introduction, but he's a professor of anesthesiology at Duke University. And with over 20 years of clinical and research experience, Dr. Wishmeyer cares for patients in the pre, peri, and post-operative settings. His research aims to improve preparation and recovery from surgery and critical illness, and examines the roles of nutrition, exercise, probiotics, and protein delivery to improve outcomes and quality of life following both acute and chronic illness. He has made numerous contributions to clinical nutrition, including leading multiple nutrition RCTs, publishing more than 180 original manuscripts, and delivering more than 600 lectures worldwide. Dr. Wishmeyer, it's an honor to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, it's great to be here. Dr. Wishmeyer, you know, I wanted to start off by asking you, um, can you share with us how you got started in clinical nutrition? Like specifically, what was it about clinical nutrition that caught and kept your attention? Sure. You know, I think for me, it really began, as some of you have heard me tell the story, when I was a child and became ill with inflammatory bowel disease. And you know, quickly was brought into the hospital and told that I wouldn't be eating again for six to eight weeks, which I thought sounded crazy. And especially for a high school student who was playing basketball on his JV team and, and it was just over Christmas break and suddenly be told you're coming to the hospital and you're not going to eat for six weeks was a real shock. And of course, what that meant was my first introduction to TPN and to parental nutrition. And, and honestly, um, you know, I was on parental nutrition for nearly a year that year. Um, with my IBD and through my first two surgeries. And parental nutrition saved my life. Um, the dietitians and pharmacists and physicians at the University of Chicago, where I was a patient, um, I, I can't even imagine how I would have survived the, the, the severe IBD and ulcerative colitis that I had without the nutrition delivery that they, that they gave me. And I think the other thing it really triggered to me was, you know, I realized that many of the medications that they were treating me with the steroids and other drugs they were giving weren't making me better. I was just having many, many side effects and they were kind of making me crazy at the same time, psychologically. Um, but, but, but these medicines seemingly to me were making me worse. And I think at that point I, I realized, I think I, I want to enter medicine. I want to, I want to teach other physicians to take better care of patients. than I felt like perhaps at times I was taking care of. Um, and, and to help physicians remember there actually is a, is a patient laying in the bed, not a, not a checklist to be checked off or a job to be done. Um, and then, you know, clearly I thought I, I want to do research and I want to try to address this disease and, and find better treatments for it. And perhaps treatments that don't have so many side effects or more side effects than the illness itself. And so it was at that very beginning, um, as I began college near Chicago as well, that I went back to the gastroenterologist that cared for me at University of Chicago. And I said, how can I start doing research with you and learn to do medical research? And the gastroenterologist who cared for me as a patient said, you know, there's a number of projects that we're doing around gut nutrients and about the idea. I had the first ileal pouch in, in a pediatric patient, a pediatric male in Chicago. And so I had this ileal pouch that had a lot of inflammation and ultimately failed. 
And they said, we're very interested about, about the role of gut nutrients in, in ileal pouches. And so, um, as it turned out, the, the astronomologist at University of Chicago really didn't have time for an undergraduate student at that time. And so I realized all the patients with pouches were at the Mayo Clinic. And so my sophomore year of college in the spring, I wrote a letter to a guy named Sid Phillips and John Pemberton, a surgeon and a gastroenterologist at the Mayo. They seemed to have all the pouch patients and they seemed to be interested in the same area of research I was interested in, in, in a little bit of papers that I could read at that young age. And I said, let, sent them a letter with an idea of protocol. And I said, would you hire me? to come work with you in the summer to work on this. And about two months later in June, I think I forgot I'd even sent it. I got a phone call from Sid Phillips, the chairman of GI at the Mayo Clinic. And he said, we would love for you to come to Mayo and, and do this research um, and work with us on it. Cause we have this, we want to work on the same project. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of, of my nutrition research. And then the second summer, you know, when we discovered there were deficiencies in, in, in some of these rich in fatty acids and the amino acids, um, they let me design my own clinical trial of glutamine and, and butyric acid made of suppositories to treat pouchitis and 60% of the patients came off their steroids and stayed in remission. And so that was my first introduction to basic research that first summer and clinical research that second summer and I was hooked. Um, I remember the, the exhilaration of getting my first abstract accepted the digestive diseases week, the gastroenterology meetings. Um, between my junior and senior year of college. And, and that was one of the highest points of my life to that point. And, you know, I think research has remained that for me ever since. And, and so it, it just sort of evolved, evolved from there yeah. um, through medical school. I was in Gene Chang's lab at University of Chicago and then, and then taking on my own lab and my own funding. And actually my first grant out of a fellowship was my Aspen grant. Um, it was the grant that preceded my Aspen Roads Research Foundation set the stage for my NIHK award. It was the grant that preceded that one. A lot set me up for that one. So I owe Aspen a great deal of thanks as well. Yeah, I, I'm I'm hearing just some you know fantastic things in that story. The first thing is just what a personal journey really this is this has been for you, and that and that personal journey you know turned into what almost sounds like erudition, just knowledge for the sake of knowledge and wanting to make a yeah, difference. I wanted to know. You know uh, um, in, in the way we care for our patients. And you, you, you touched on some humanistic components of this as well, mm -hmm. where, you know, you say our patients are not like, you know, checklists. And, and, I, and I find that, you know, um, uh, fascinating. And so, so, so thank you really for, for sharing that. And then the other piece that I'm mm -hmm. really hearing in that story is your determination. You know, you took a personal journey yeah. and you, you really identified, you know, sort of um, something that just keeps you going. And it's kept you going yeah. to this day. So if you think back to some of your early research, you know, you've come a long ways, but what were some of the biggest challenges you faced at the time? And with that determination, how did you overcome some of those things? Yeah, I mean, I think the first, the first big challenge, right, was literally getting your foot in the door and finding a mentor that would begin to teach you, mentors, really, it takes more than one, that would teach and, and take the time with a beginner, a student, a very early trainee, to, to take them on and to teach them. And so, you know, I, I was really blessed that, that guys like Gene Chang and Steve Hanauer, even when I was in college, were willing to spend time with me. But then some people really couldn't take time for an undergraduate student. And then, you know, the serendipitous luck of, of, of these physicians at the Mayo Clinic, who literally on a blind letter from a college student said, yeah, come up to Mayo and, and do research with us and, and work on this with us. And so, I think mentorship and, and having people that are willing to open doors and, and just out of the goodness of their heart, take that time to spend time with a young person and really make that happen. It, it, it was the critical 
moments of, of, of my development as a very young person. Um, and, and I think it, you know, has driven why I so um, take pride and joy in, in my mentorship of young people now, because so many people sacrificed for me um, early on when, when they didn't have to, right? I, I wasn't even one of their residents or fellows. I was a, you know, a junior, I was a 19, 20 year old junior in college from a university that was not theirs. Who, who was this former patient really? Um, that was probably my biggest qualification to even be thinking about this, which really of course is not a qualification, but, uh, yeah. but, but it, um, I think it was really finding those people. And clearly there were, there were challenges that came after that, you know, as I, I looked for an institution that would support my research as I was finishing. I think while I was a resident, I, I entered a PEDS residency initial that I think really wasn't interested in me doing independent research. They're interested in me being a lab tech. And so I ended up switching back to where I went to medical school at University of Chicago. So I could go back to doing the research I was passionate about. And I think that's some of the best advice I can give people is, and this is how I mentor, not everyone does, but I, I really want, I, I would really encourage people to find something they really are passionate about, not just their mentor's ideas, but something they care about too. And maybe those mesh with their mentor's ideas, which is brilliant, but finding the project that really impassions them to get out of bed every morning, because research is hard. And, and if you're not really convicted to it, all those times you get knocked down on papers and grants and everything else, it's going to be hard to come back. And I, I've been taught, and I think it's true, it's not the smartest person that succeeds in research, it's the most persistent. Yeah, um, yeah. No, you touched on some, some wonderful things there, and specifically, um, you know, the mentorship. And, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. It, it really takes a village, and it really takes dedicated mm -hmm. individuals to, to form you know, uh, one person's career, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so I really like how, how you, you know, touched on those things. What, what other words of wisdom would you offer someone who's just starting out? I mean, you yeah. know, in today's day and age with things like, you know, predatory journals, with so mm. many different resources that individuals can go to, what, what things would you, would you tell somebody who's interested in, say, clinical nutrition, but yeah. just doesn't know where to start? So, I mean, I think, as we mentioned, clearly mentorship and, and looking to, to people who are doing this already for a living. And there aren't so many of us anymore. I think all of us would like to change that. And I think a lot of us are very passionate about that. One of the projects that I am spending a lot of time on now and will be soon is we're going to start an online clinical nutrition fellowship um, with, with Duke. And, but it's really a fellowship that we're building online for people to become engaged. But, but I think, you know, and, and then there's clearly the fellowships that Bob Martindale and Steve McClave do. And I think for the clinical nutrition person from the clinical side, fellowships like this, and then perhaps becoming boarded in clinical nutrition, the American Society for, for Physician Nutrition Specialists, I think that's what we're aiming for with our fellowship. I think those are all great clinical pathways that I think there aren't so many clinical places you can learn nutrition. There aren't so many fellowships that will teach you that, but on the clinical side, I think that's true. But the research side, I think, A, mentorship is essential. Find someone remotely or, or close by that can help you sort of begin to think about it. And, and, and there's people like that. And then I think, As, I think the Aspen grants and, and Aspen as a society is really an essential place. This is the meeting you want to be at to meet people who do this and you want to connect to those people. But then the, the amazing grant infrastructure that the Rhodes Research Foundation, I think is a huge opportunity. It was for me and it is for many of my trainees. Now I have multiple trainees whose careers have started or really have been directed by Aspen grants they've received that, that got them off the ground. And so I think that is an enormous, enormous resource that Aspen offers that is, is really critical. Again, finding a project you're passionate about, I think, you know, getting people to help you publish, to help you read through manuscripts, um, taking rejection well and realizing it's part of the game and 
you know, I've had runs of, of multiple grants that have just been blown up and, and you find ways to rewrite them or reshape them and, and you keep going and, and you just get off that mat every time and you keep, you keep pushing it. I think yeah. some basics yeah. there. Yeah, no, I, I really, uh, I really, you know, it, it, admire your, the determination, you know, that you're advocating. And um, I think many others who would listen to this um, will as well. You know, speaking about passion um, and, you know, asking perhaps the right questions in, in clinical nutrition, what do you think yeah. are some of the um, most pressing questions that we need to ask, for example, in yeah. critical care nutrition? And, and what are you working on right now? Yeah, I think, I think we really are coming to a place uh, where we can really begin to ask some objective questions. I think the personalization of clinical nutrition is really going to be a critical part of the next five, 10, 20 years. I, th I think the idea that we finally have a, a, a viable metabolic cart that's accurate, affordable, self-calibrating, reproducible at the bedside. I think, you, you know, that's just one example, but I think we really have to move into an era in clinical nutrition where we can compete on rounds with say, you know, the cardiovascular area where, you know, we wouldn't give a vasopressor without measuring the blood pressure. I think the day needs to come where we would not give nutrition without measuring a, how much the patient needs be the effect it's having on the patient with objective numbers mm -hmm. where we can, we can give energy expenditures. We can demonstrate what the body composition is. We can demonstrate what the effects on muscle and muscle glycogen and muscle fuel. And, um, a lot of the BIA muscle, muscle sound, ultrasound measures, CT scan measures. I think, um, we have a huge opportunity to take nutrition into the next level and really have physicians on rounds listen to us like they do the respiratory system with the blood gases and the, 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 the cardiovascular system with, with the numbers we get. Nutrition has to have that credibility too. And, and, and the inaccuracies of our equations that we feed people with, you know, we're underfeeding people a third of the time, we're overfeeding people a third of the time, probably more than that. I'm, I'm just throwing Steve McClave's numbers. Our data in COVID-19 would say it's probably more dramatically off than that in modern critical care. Um, and none of the equations predict some of the hypermetabolism we're seeing from modern critical care as well. And so I think we have huge opportunities with a lot of the new devices and a lot of the new objective measures we can do, even for predicting risk, right? The use of single slice CT scan technology, for instance, you know, we know that the Harvard Hospital's Mass General is, is getting reimbursed by Medicare for a single slice CT muscle protocol before surgery yields less radiation than a chest x-ray, but gives an enormous amount of data about the risk of the patient. I think those kinds of things are really the future of how we diagnose nutrition and then how we treat nutrition in an objective fashion. So I think those are huge opportunities. And I think the other, this, so that's one area that my, my group is definitely working on really, ad, um, we're really advocating in that area, working hard a lot for projects in that area. The other area is a combination of nutrition and exercise. And I think the idea that we can also begin to personalize and structure exercise with nutrition in very objective ways. Our, our most recent funding, we got a $4 million multi-center R01 just about two, three weeks ago from the NIH to study a personalized structured home, high intensity training rehabilitation program for COVID-19 survivors. Where, and we've been doing this in bone marrow transplant already where we do CPET testing or step testing with a, with a Bluetooth CPET mask, like an Olympic athlete would we get heart rate targets based on a patient's actual personal abilities, um, no matter how debilitated they are before they leave the hospital, we assign a high intensity training program that they do three times a week. We give them an iPhone and an iWatch, and then we watch them with a physical therapist as they do their sessions three to five times a week. And 
we have interactions between the physical therapist and the patient to really coach them into the heart rate intervals. We've had great success in the bone marrow transplant population who are very debilitated. Um, and we can improve their VO2 peaks, VO2 max by 25% in just a few weeks. Um, and so the idea that we can combine nutrition exercise, which I think is the future, and we can do it just like an Olympic athlete would do it and personalize it to each individual patient, just like we can personalize nutrition in each individual patient. I think it's something our funding bodies are behind, our patients need, and we as sort of the, the metabolic physiologists of, of our fields, whether it be cancer or you know critical care or surgery, because we're the leaders in this area and we're the ones who need to take this on. And so our hope is to not only do this critical care, but also do this in the perioperative optimization field and in the post-operative optimization field where we can use these nutrition and exercise optimization opportunities and clinics. We have our own preoperative optimization nutrition clinic now at Duke with a RD driven, she sees all our patients with a simple screening tool. I think these are real opportunities that we can extend our reach as clinical nutrition experts and do it in a very personalized scientific way. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly with all of it. And I really admire you for all the work that you're doing and pushing for risk stratification, as well as sort of the, the personalized approach. It certainly falls into this sphere of what patients want as well, you know, sort of that patient-centered you know, model. Yeah. And so uh, thank you for all the work that you're doing, Dr. Wishmeyer. At this point, I would like to thank Dr. Wishmeyer for joining us today. Um, I can say for sure that um, you, you have given us a lot to think about and your words of, of wisdom will hopefully resonate with, with many out there. I would also like to thank Aspen for their partnership for this forum. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's, um, it's really an honor and, and it's really amazing what, what Aspen has done for so many careers and continues to do. I encourage everybody to become more involved in any way you can with this amazing society. Agreed, thank you.